This episode of Diffusion Science Radio is supported by you, the listener. When you visit audibletrial.com science to try Audible free for 30 days. Go to www.audibletrial.com science to receive your free audiobook today. Or make a donation directly on www.diffusionradio.com. The International Science Radio Show. We have a bouncer and the doors of perception. The good, the bad, the ugly. It gets pretty exciting. The myths, the truths. Toxicology. Astro seismology. Magnetism. The dark side. Genetically engineered potatoes. Planetoid. Planetoid. I love that word. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to Diffusion. Sit back and relax while we inject weird and wonderful science directly into your brain. I'm Ian Wolfe. On this edition, Sydney Makerspaces, Solidifier, Osbury Pi and Robo Dojo. But first up, here's the news. Diabetes reversed in mice. At the University of Alabama in Birmingham, a blood pressure drug, verapamil, has been shown to completely reverse diabetes in mice by restoring the beta cells that make insulin in the pancreas. Your body controls blood sugar levels by releasing insulin. In type 1 diabetes, there are not enough beta cells in the pancreas to control blood sugar. So people with type 1 diabetes have to take injections of insulin. At the University of Alabama Birmingham's Comprehensive Diabetes Center, a clinical trial of verapamil in humans to treat type 1 diabetes will begin in 2015. After more than 10 years of work, researchers at the University of Alabama Birmingham have found that high blood sugar causes the body to overproduce a protein called thioredoxin interacting protein, or TXNIP, TICSNP. TICSNP stops pancreatic beta cells producing insulin, and too much TICSNP kills them. This leads to a shortage of insulin and the progression of diabetes. TICSNP also promotes the production of more TICSNP in a bad feedback loop. The drug verapamil is widely used to treat high blood pressure, irregular heartbeat, and migraine headaches. It turns out it lowers TICSNP levels in beta cells. The number of beta cells regrows back to a normal level, which means the mice were able to produce their own insulin. Team leader Aneth Shalev asked the question, which gene was switched on by the high levels of blood sugar seen in diabetes? Her team found it was a gene that expressed TICSNP, killing the beta cells. The team went on to discover that TICSNP-deficient mice are protected against diabetes. In a further study, they discovered that verapamil lowers the levels of TICSNP in beta cells. Finally, It was logical to try and use verapamil to try and treat diabetes in the mice by lowering TICSNP in their beta cells. In the 2015 clinical trials coming up, 52 people, within months of being diagnosed with type 1 diabetes, will receive either verapamil or a placebo for a year, where they're continuously monitored for their blood sugar levels and receive insulin from a pump. Type 1 diabetes is where most of the beta cells in the pancreas die off, causing an insulin shortage. Whereas type 2 diabetes is where the body doesn't respond to insulin, which is known as insulin resistance, and a shortage of insulin may also develop. 
Future clinical trials may also target people suffering type 2 diabetes as the mice with type 2 diabetes were restored to health by verapamil, with their insulin resistance reduced. The paper detailing the reversal of diabetes in mice was titled Preventing Beta Cell Loss in Diabetes with Calcium Channel Blockers and was published in the journal Diabetes in 2012. The human clinical trial will be called the repurposing of verapamil as a beta cell survival therapy in type 1 diabetes and be held at the University of Alabama, Birmingham's Comprehensive Diabetes Center. At the same time, a partnership of the University of Alabama, Birmingham with the Southern Research Institute, together called the Alabama Drug Discovery Alliance, is working to develop small therapeutic molecules that mimic the diabetes-protecting effect produced by verapamil and inhibit Tixnip, but are more precisely targeted, so there's less chances for side effects. CSIRO loses over a thousand jobs. The war on science continues as CSIRO has its budget cut by a further $118 million and is forced to fire nearly 900 staff, including Dr. San Thang, who was tipped to win a Nobel Prize for his work on polymers, which has spawned around 600 patents. Now he's taking a job in China. Australia is at the start of a huge brain drain. One-fifth of the staff of the entire Commonwealth Science and Industrial Research Organisation is being lost across 2013 to 2014. Last year, 513 people were fired. 878 more people will have been sacked by June 2015. The Parkes radio telescope known as The Dish... And in Narrabri, the Australia Telescope Array will be closed down. At the same time, Australia's public broadcaster ABC, the Australian Broadcasting Corporation, has shed 400 staff because of a $250 million cut to their budget. We're warned by insiders that the cuts to CSIRO and ABC have barely started. The government has given the CSIRO a once-off payment of $32 million to manage the massive firing of staff. In contrast, the government's National School Chaplaincy Program, which puts Christian missionaries into thousands of public schools around the country, has cost taxpayers almost $700 million already spent or earmarked to be spent. By law, only Christians can be hired as school chaplains to earn the government payment, even when the school is attended by children of other faiths or no faith. School chaplains are not officially allowed to try and convert children to their religion. National school chaplains are also not allowed to offer counselling because they don't have psychological qualifications. It sounds like an easy job, I believe. If the federal government insists on swapping science for religion in our federal budget, then they should offer all the SAC scientists and journalists jobs as school chaplains instead of forcing them into the streets. listening to Ian Wolfe on Diffusion Science Radio. Send emails to science at diffusionradio.com 
We're brought to you across Australia on the Community Radio Network and podcast over the internet on www.diffusionradio.com. At the Sydney Mini Maker Fair at the Powerhouse Museum, there were several maker spaces represented. I spoke with David Vandenberg, the founder of Solidifier, a makerspace for startup businesses in Sydney. I began by asking him, what does Solidifier do? So it's a makerspace focused on hardware startups. So what I mean by that is we've got a bunch of people, a bunch of tools that people can access, but what we're really about is making businesses successful and helping uh, people turn their ideas into solid products and get them to market. And so at what stage do people come to you? What stage of the... Well, what stage product? of their ideas? Sure. I- I- even right right from the, the initial idea stage, like we do get people that come along and say, you know, I've got this idea for this product. You know, maybe they're in, in an industry and they've seen a market opportunity and that's a really a good source of, of uh, relevant ideas. So, yeah, I'm very keen to help those kind of people uh, uh, as well as people who are in the middle of their, their product development. So, you know, so- sometimes we'll have electrical engineers that will build prototypes of things, but they, they're still not really that sure how to commercialise it. They don't really know exactly how to design it well or to market it or even manufacture it. So they've got the technical expertise. We've got other guys who can design a beautiful product, but they just don't know how to make it function. So we we generally get people that are in either the idea stage or prototype stage, but we we have people at at all stages, and and even people who aren't necessarily doing products. Maybe they're just highly skilled in industrial design or electronics. They don't necessarily work on their own product, but they're very useful for the other businesses and and, uh, can collaborate and, and start new projects. And how long has Solidify been going? It's very new. Uh, it's only two months old now. But I actually have quite a lot of experience in uh, running co-working communities. I was a founding director of Fishburners, which has grown to quite a size these days. Also Engine Room, which is more focused on digital services businesses. Solidifier is, is brand new, but we've actually been hosting the Osbury community for about two years now through Engine Room and we've always been planning to open up a makerspace and that's just finally come to fruition. And what's the business model? Do you get shares in the successful businesses or how are you funded? No, it's it's working as a co-working space right now. So people pay for memberships and that is what pays for the space. But we do plan in the future to set up an incubator-style model. Now, that's not going to be compulsory, but it's going to be something that our members will have access to. And what I mean by an incubator model is we'll be able to match up investors to put a little, a little bit of money into businesses, and then we provide the space and access to a mentorship community and also the people within the community to, to help bring the product to market. So what sort of projects have you got after your first two months? What's going at the moment? There's quite a few little interesting projects. I haven't done a big marketing push yet, so I haven't got a whole lot of people in the space yet. Actually, after Maker Fair, the next point is to start the Kickstarter campaign and then we'll get a, a, a lot of people in. But I've just been waiting till after Maker Fair to do that. But even with the, the people we've got right now, we've built a, a really core community. 
We've got some members have gotten together to collaborate on building some designer cat furniture. Prototyping has been made, made possible through the laser cutter that we've got and also the, uh, the 3D printer which was used for the initial concept modelling. We've got some other interesting projects in the works. Somebody's uh, working on a, uh, a smart water bottle. So it kind of fits into that whole wearables and, and, and fitness devices arena. Plus, you know, we, we've also, uh, you know, s- some of the mentors in the community like Mark and Marcus have done successful crowdfunding campaigns for, for things like Ninja Blocks and Microview and uh, the, the Holiday Lights. So, yeah, the, there's a lot of things in the, in, in the works. There's also some guys working on some leather products. Actually, I'm, I'm working on a, a cufflink that's uh, modelled on our logo, which will be one of the Kickstarter awards. Uh, we've got a jewellery designer in-house, and uh, she models everything up in 3D and, and uh, does 3D printed prototypes and then uh, sends them off to casting. Yes, yeah, so there's a lot of interesting stuff happening so far, but it's uh, yeah, in two months, like we haven't done a whole lot. I'd like to point out that the, the, the way we differ from most maker f- spaces, there, there's uh, a few that have been popping up, but um, the main difference is uh, a lot of other maker spaces are really focused on the fun side of making, the hobby side of making. Now, that stuff's great, and I still want to have fun stuff happening in the space, but our main focus is on uh, people who are trying to make a living out of this stuff or are making a living out of this stuff. So, uh, you know, pro-makers... I want to see some more successful hardware devices come out of Australia, and that's really what we're trying to do in Solidifier. And where should people look for Solidifier online? So it's solidifier.com.au. We've got a, a website up there which uh, lists the membership plans and uh, some of the, the tools that we've got in the space. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, yeah, thanks a lot. That was David Vandenberg, founder of Solidifier. David mentioned that he's created a space for the Osbury Pi group, who are dedicated to making things from the tiny Raspberry Pi computer and the Arduino controller boards. I spoke to Osbury Pi member John Wolfe. And a warning that the Osbury Pi end of the Sydney Mini Maker Fair came with its own soundtrack. I'm a software engineer from way back, (laughs) but I've joined the Osbury Pi group a year ago and we meet every fourth Sunday of the month in Darlinghurst in Oxford Street. And you're focused around the Raspberry Pi? A lot of people work with Raspberry Pi but they also deal with Arduinos and BeagleBones and anything you name it. And they have a lot of hardware gear like laser cutters and stuff so you can make things. So it's a makerspace? It's a makerspace, yeah. And where are you based at? 66 Oxford Street. And are you working on any particular projects yourself? Ah, yes. I'm working on this project called Immediate C. It's a real-time control system using Raspberry Pis. And I've got a couple of demos here. Oh, yes. So what sort of things are you controlling? The first thing is an access control system, and that's actually used on building sites. I see, so with a card. With a card, and at the gatehouse it's got the green light to tell the security person that the person can come in. And somebody who's not allowed in, like this fellow, it, if he's asleep, it'll wake him up. Right? 
Very good. Okay, but that's actually connected back. It isn't here, but it's connected back to the head office. And every 10 minutes, it reports back to say that it's still alive. And you can send security codes. You can update the security code database in here, anywhere in the world, really. So the little box you've got here is something like, what, the size of two packs of cards, maybe? Yeah. It's just got this card, which is a Raspberry Pi. And on top of it, it's got a thing called the PiFace Digital Controller, which has a couple of relays which drive these things. Right. You can s this is another project which has actually the Pi at the bottom and three Pi digital controllers giving you 24 inputs and 24 outputs and a display. So you can control 24 things, you can take information and then control things. That's right, yes. My main work is actually, I've written an extension of the C language called Immediate C, which runs this type of control software at very high speed. It doesn't need to scan the code, it works, it's event driven. It's what, sorry? Event driven. Okay. So only when an outside event triggers something will that event be passed through the code and at all points it only triggers something when that's necessary. So it's very, very fast. Well, John Wolf, thank you very much. That's all right. Justin McLean is from Osbury Pie also, and organizer of the Internet of Things meetup in Sydney. Yep. And you're here at the Osbury Pie stand, and I saw so you've got a CNC router. Yeah, I have a. I have a, a little portable desktop router. Uh, it's the uh, other mill. That's what it's called. And currently, I'm using it to make uh, circuit boards, and it can cut out things as accurate to 0.02 millimeters. So within a few hours you can make a, a prototype of a circuit board and get it working. And generally what you can do is you can you can get circuit boards commercially made, but it takes three weeks for the boards to get back to you. So being able to make something in just a couple of hours for prototyping, it means you can iterate on that again and again and again and make a much, much better product much quicker. So for listeners who don't know about CNC routers, how would you explain it from the basics? It's basically the opposite of a 3D printer. <laughs> it uh, cuts stuff out rather than adding stuff to it. And it's a bit more versatile in that it can work with a lot of materials. So I'm using it just to cut circuit boards out, but it can cut aluminium or wood, or uh, it can even cut plastic or um, wax to make moulds. So you can even make moulds to, to make jewellery or even chocolates. So. Amazing. So what sort of projects are you working on with the Osbury Pie people? I'm mostly working on making a few Adreno shields. I've got some of them flashing their lights over there, which you obviously can't see, but <laughs> you just take my word for that. <laughs> so, yeah, and I've just been helping out at the, the, the space. Uh, Osbury Pie now now at the Solidifier space, which are the, the stall next to us. And, you know, I help people solder things together and, and do stuff like that. 
So tell me about the Internet of Things meetup. Uh, I've been running that for almost a, a, a year now. Uh, we have uh, generally three speakers a night. It meets on the fourth Thursday just near Central on Favot Street. And we have a very diverse group of speakers, everything from, you know, Adrenos and coffee machines to robots. Yeah, lots of, lots of, lots of weird right. and varied stuff. So should I ask the question again for the uninformed? Yep. What is the Internet of Things? Very good question. It's, it is, it's whatever you want it to mean, unfortunately, because a lot of people take it in. But uh, my interpretation of it is small, low-cost devices that are distributed and can talk to each other. They can collect data and then you can do something useful with that data. So it's not an internet-connected fridge. <laughs> Although it could be. It could be. It could be. <laughs> but it works better if it's smaller and... Yeah, you're generally talking about small, dumb devices that just collect data about the surrounding environment, and that might be temperature or pressure or light, and then it's really up to some software to take all that information and, and do something smart with it. So it's like, you know, knowing when you come home from work so it turns the lights on, you know, things like that. Mm. If you're in Sydney and have nothing to do on a Thursday night, come along to my Internet of the Things meetup. Oh, and if we look for you online, where should we look? Well, the uh, meetup.com will have the listing for the Osbury Pie and the Internet of the Things meetup. If you search for my name, Justin McLean, I'll probably appear in a few spaces. <laughs> Justin McLean, thank you very much. Thank you. Adrian is from RoboDojo, a community makerspace for robotics located in Campbelltown in Sydney's southwest. And here at the Mini Maker Fair, you've got what looks like an automatic paint gun, a machine paint gun. Yeah, basically what I've done is I've taken a uh, off-the-shelf Nerf Vulcan cannon, uh, which is your standard chain-fed 25-clip belt. But what I've done is modified it so that it's got an extended belt, and I've pretty much put a electronic base on it so that from the software you can um, manually either point and shoot it or you can put it in automatic mode and let the camera decide who the best target is. So I came by earlier and the camera was tracking me. Yep. So so the the cam there's a camera here, I can see the camera in the front and the gun will track you. Yeah, um, that's not actually the camera, that one there. It's actually built into the base of the unit. It's a bit difficult to see but it's just a standard Logitech webcam that's running into the computer. It has an Arduino to control the servo positions and the firing mechanisms. How are you doing the face recognition to identify people? It's not actually facial recognition, it's just movement. So it's differential uh, analysis of the background essentially. So I take a picture of the background and then from that anything that's different, provided there is significant motion and number of pixels kind of thing, it decides that's a target and we'll uh, start firing at them. Terrific. And what was the inspiration to start you building this? Um, not particularly anything, just a Maker Fair project, something to demonstrate. So a couple of weeks ago I was just thinking, you know, what can I contribute to this year's Maker Fair? And came up with this, started work on it on Monday, and we've got it here today. So for a version one, it's working pretty well. Um, there are a few minor modifications I'll make, but uh, overall pretty happy with it. And so is it set up to shoot Nerf or paintballs? No, Nerf gun. So the standard Nerf darts that you have, yeah, foam darts which is the safest option for here in a uh, public space. <laughs> but yeah, at the moment I've got it set for manual control, so uh, you can steer it around and you know, acquire targets. Normally it has an elevation control as well. I've disabled that temporarily due to a problem we were having earlier with it. Yeah, and basically, you know, once I've got a target, um, in manual mode especially, I can fire at any time. 
I don't know if you want to film that. That could be fun. <laughs> Depends on the targets. <laughs> but other than that, you can put it back into uh, automatic mode. I usually just disable the weapon at the time because I haven't quite calibrated it fully yet. So the the target kind of is selected semi at random at the moment. Sure. But um, yeah, it seems to work pretty well in that mode. And how long did it take to build? So far, we've probably taken three nights and a bit more design time. So it has certainly been a bit of a busy time for us, kind of getting it up and running in time for the Maker Fair. Yeah, yeah, having having access to a makerspace is you know the number number one reason I was able to do it. Essentially, uh, the parts are laser CNC routed. So yeah, without that equipment, yeah, would have had a much less impressive display and if people wanted to contact RoboDojo the hackerspace yep. so how does it work do you join up um, with a monthly fee or how does uh, it work not, not at this stage we're not that organized and we're getting there but at this stage it's pretty much just have a look on Facebook see if we're open or contact us on our Google groups page but mostly on the Facebook page uh, Monday nights and most Saturdays are when we're open and at this stage just drop on by and have a chat with us well, Adrian, thank you very much. Not a problem, thank you. And you can find the links to Solidifier, Osbury Pie and RoboDojo and the Internet of Things Meetup on the Diffusion Science Radio Makerspace page. Science! And that's all from us this week on Diffusion. Would you like to join us? We need more people contributing stories to Diffusion. You can send your contributions, opinions, congratulations, standing ovations, gasps of amazement, and helpful suggestions to science at diffusionradio.com. That's science at diffusionradio.com. And please do send me an email so I know you're listening and you'd like to hear more episodes. Please like the Diffusion Science Radio page on Facebook and rate us on iTunes. We only have eight ratings on iTunes. Checking production was Charles Willock. I produced Diffusion, which is broadcast around Australia on the community radio network, including 2 Triple H in Hornsby, Karingai, 2NVR in Nambucca Valley, 2XX in Canberra, and 3MBR in the Mallee border districts of Victoria and South Australia. Diffusion is syndicated globally on the National Science Foundation's Science360 internet radio station and also on astronomy.fm. You can now hear Diffusion on Stitcher. Radio On Demand and On The Go. Download the free app from Stitcher.net and review Diffusion. Subscribe to our podcast on the Diffusion website, www.diffusionradio.com. That's www.diffusionradio.com. And check the website for links and photos from this week's show. I'm still in the process of putting together a crowdfunding campaign for Diffusion. I'm hoping it's only a few more weeks for me to shoot the video and put it up live. I'm looking at rewards for people who fund the show. Would you make a donation in return for hearing your voice on Diffusion? Send an email to science at diffusionradio.com and let me know what you think. Or make a donation directly by using the donation PayPal button on www.diffusionradio.com. I'm Ian Wolfe. Join us inside your audio device of choice for more science wondering next week on Diffusion Science Radio. And to take us out, the Exxon Corporate Singers with Efficiency. Zoom, 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 zoom. Efficiency.
efficiency, efficiency, speaking governmentally, efficiency is in a sorry state. The government now accepts it, and business takes it on the chin. Who can be efficient and still regulate? Reasonable government guidelines. Now that's okay. We don't mind if the government has its fair say. 